Hi, this is Jen Lee, and you are listening to Feeling Circle. I am so excited for episode two today with my best friend since third grade. We literally grew up together. Raquel uh, graduated from SDSU uh, with her undergrads and master's and is currently working in a crisis communication role. And I just want to say a big welcome. Welcome, Raquel. I see a little bit of just like nervousness <laughs> and just a little bit of, I don't know, I sense some tenseness. How are you feeling? I know the topic today is a little bit, it's really personal. We're going to talk about growing up in the church. Like, how do you feel about that right now? Yeah, it is. It's extremely personal. Um, it, it feels quite healing, though, to be given a space to talk about this. So part of it is nervousness, and the other part is a little excitement. I hope that whatever I say might resonate with someone. I know everyone has a different experience, but, you know, I'm happy to share mine. Yeah, and it's really crazy because we grew up together. Yeah. Like, me and you growing up, we were like, I almost want to say, like, Christian warriors trying to spread the gospel. Wait, do you remember during recess, we would be spreading the gospel? Yes. I I, we, I just, I remember yeah. like admiring how you would always talk about your relationship with God and how, like, I just thought that it was beautiful because you were this little girl, like on the playground talking about how you just love Jesus and you wanted to be with him one day. And I was like, wow, like I want to be like on fire for God like that. But weren't you? I I felt like I was, but not to the extent of the way that you talked to him, talked about him so personally, like you had this personal relationship with him. I felt like, yeah, I knew uh, like I knew God, I knew the rules, I knew like the, the church rules, but this kind of one-on-one was something that I don't think I had explored at a young age like that. I truly feel like that was the peak of my <laughs> relationship with God. No, but seriously, like I think as I grew up and we'll we'll go into this, there's just moments of like, oh, I remember when I was younger and I was just so much stronger in my faith. But then life happens and you see all the nuances and you see life in different lenses, not just from how we were raised to see the world. And yeah, and that's where our journey begins, right? Yeah, absolutely. So with that, um, we can dive right in about, you know, just your experience growing up in the church. So growing up in church, um, it was like I had a direct connection to a community of people who believed in something a lot bigger than myself. So as a child, I felt extremely lucky uh, to be born into a family um, of ministers, pastors, people who were very uh, devout in their beliefs, and they all seemed to have life figured out. And they all seem to have a lot of these bigger questions answered, being like, why do humans exist? What is our biggest purpose while we're here? What happens when we die? And is there a higher power watching us? And I think naturally as humans, we all have these types of questions. And religion really provides some sort of certainty, right, about, okay, well, if we die, this is what happens, or 
you know, we all are here for this reason. It's it's something to give us hope or something to for us to kind of look to to give us those answers. So I felt extremely lucky to have that because <clears throat> when I would talk to people, I felt like there was a lot of uncertainty, right? Um, okay, pause you really quickly. Yeah, sure. Also, at the same time, do you also feel like some of these discussions were premature? Because I just remember when I was younger and going to church, like leaders and pastors would be like, I know you guys are thinking about this and having fears about that. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I feel like I would have gotten to that point, but all of these thoughts and answers and like the way to see the world was like spoon fed to us even before we got to that point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because like as a five-year-old, are you really asking like, (laughs) okay, why am I What's our purpose in life? Right. Yeah. These are kind of like Mm -hmm. these bigger questions, but I think they definitely were spoon fed to us. Um, and I noticed, and I, I, I wanted to get this, get into this a little bit later, but I noticed just like the innocence of other children and how they would kind of play so freely without a care in the world. And I would look at that and be like, don't they know that, you know, we're all going to die one day and it's heaven or hell and they have a life to live that's supposed to glorify God? Like, is anyone else carrying this pressure on them? And. Yeah. It was almost like in having these bigger conversations, there wasn't this childlike innocence anymore. It was all about business. It was all about like, okay, how do I do the Lord's business? And I, I think play and pleasure and fun and silliness were just not priorities because, again, I was kind of given this information to have a much bigger responsibility, which was to, um, you know, be a vessel for God and live this life that was pleasing to God and that my life was not mine. I feel like there could have been a better age-appropriate way of sharing, I don't know, like what the purpose of church and the Christianity and God and Jesus is, Um, but it sounds like that could have happened. Not really. I mean, honestly, I I grew up um, around people who, of course, like, took the Bible very seriously around grandparents who were very involved in the church. And the way that they got people to go to church was not, oh, come and let's have fun. It was, do you not know that God is coming back soon and there will be fire and brimstone? And let's watch Left Behind so that you have a reminder. (laughs) Uh, It was fear-based. It was was fear-driven. Yes. It was fear-driven. Um. And the last thing I wanted was to to go to hell because not only would I would I go to hell and be tormented, but I wouldn't be with my family. So as a child, of course, I want to go to heaven. How did this upbringing shape you? Yeah, I think that's a really great question <laughs> because um, I think in how it shaped me is I did develop anxiety um, about whether or not I was following all of these rules. Um, closely enough, if I was close enough to God, if I was being the light and the example that was going to lead other people to church, and if I failed to do that, then was their soul, you know, in, in jeopardy because of me? It was just this extreme kind of just feeling of 
am I doing enough? Am I enough? Right. And so I saw that people kind of glorified this in me and saw, wow, she's taking this very seriously. Let's put her on a pedestal. And I was thrown into a lot of leadership positions. I have to say that those leadership positions did push me out of my comfort zone for someone who was a little bit more soft-spoken as a child and not always um, like comfortable with being extroverted. Being in church really gave me this sense of, okay, you can go out and speak in front of a group of people or you can really lead uh, a group of people. And you know, it was trial and error. I wasn't always good at all these positions that people always thought I would be good in. Um, but I would say that that was something that happened where I, I found myself in leadership positions a lot. I found adults telling me all the time, you know what, you have, you're very mature for your age, right? Again, like really pushing away those feelings of just exploration and, and play, uh, I really repressed that. And I've learned how to kind of just shut down my emotions and be what people wanted me to be. I feel that. I feel that in different ways. I feel that because I saw you. I knew you since third grade and I saw the weight of the world that you carried on your shoulders. And I think we became really good friends because we were motivated from this affirmation that we received from being so obedient and people-pleasing. I just, I can validate your experience just as a witness on the sidelines, but also with you growing up together. And that's why I think we grew up so close because we saw ourselves in each other to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And I, I appreciate that. I mean, to me, like there's still certain things that I carry with me, but I think a lot of it too was, okay, how can I be good and how can I show that goodness to the like nth degree? So people are like, wow, I'm inspired to follow her and come to Christ. Like a lot of it was, I don't want to say all of it. I want to say some of that was kind of, I don't want to say performative, but also you know, it, it was kind of like, look, look at this life, look at the peace I have, and you can have this too. It was the pursuit of portraying perfection. It, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like even me admitting for the first time that I cheated, even in freaking elementary school, because I needed a hundred percent on everything to make sure that like I'm meeting my parents' expectations, my own expectations that I internalize of perfection. It's like the extent that we went for that at mm -hmm. such a freaking young age, mm -hmm. it makes me so sad. It makes me really sad. Yeah. And it, it was sad. And it was, I don't know how it felt for you, but Anytime I felt like I wasn't living up to that expectation, especially among my family, I felt so much shame. I remember when we all had MySpace, um, and I wasn't really good at coding, but I was decent. And like back then, we were not to listen to any secular music. Like I grew up very devout, like no earrings, no, even though I have my pierced now, no tattoos, no cursing, drinking, smoking, um, and definitely like we didn't listen to secular music unless it was like a holiday album or something or if it was jazz. Not even, not even Harry Potter. I remember yeah. when we loved going on like the movie dates with our girlfriends and friends and 
you weren't allowed to watch Harry Potter. I was like so confused by that because I thought we were one in the same Christian. Mm -hmm. But I think your denomination or just like the leadership within your church enforced strict rules. Yeah. And that's, you know, to me, I thought that was just normal. Like until I started talking to other people who were Christian, um, they would be like, no, at my church, we can do this. And I'm like, what? And then, of course, I'm being taught, well, we're doing it the right way. Like we're the real Christians, right? Where it kind of created this elitism too, to where to me it just didn't make a lot of sense because I'm thinking, how is it that it's just us who is getting the ultimate truth from God? How come it's just our interpretation that's accurate and no one else's? So kind of going back to that story with the coding, I remember I I think we were in middle school and I had put this playlist of music. I think it was R&B songs on my my uh, profile. And then my brother and cousin wanted them on theirs too. And <laughs> we got in so much trouble. Um, our parents found out. They were very angry. Then they found out it was me. And, oh, man, they were like, you're supposed to be the example. And I'm like, what? I'm not even the eldest of all of us, but I'm the example. Like, again, just on that pedestal, put to a higher standard. And I I remember this. I felt bad about it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I remember this. I just remember you being so disappointed in yourself after the sack. Uh-huh. A lot of it was... um, if everybody else is saying I'm bad, then I must be, right? Like there was no, okay, come on guys. Like this is ridiculous. It's just a playlist of music. Like, oh my gosh, no. Wow. Wait, I have to check my heart. Why did I do this? Any manifestation of like wrongdoing meant there was something bad in my heart and I wasn't being mindful enough of that. And I had to go back and do more self-inventory and come back and keep checking and picking myself apart. And it just was not a fun experience. We as human beings, like, to me, we are supposed to seek out different experiences. And I remember just keeping myself so small and playing small and sticking to what I knew and not going out and experiencing the world because I was so scared of what would come out of my heart and what I would do with that and if I would sin. <laughs> yeah. I'm resonating so much with that feeling of shame and then the feeling of even the chance of having bad negative thoughts just like the fact that I thought of that that this is what's in my mind I must be a terrible person like and just feeling that immense shame feeling dirty feeling like it really took me I don't know when I found my agency and feeling this but mm-hmm. I remember there was a moment of like no all these thoughts that are in my mind they don't define me these are messages from the outside world that I've taken in through media through movies through shows through advertisements these are just outside messages that I've seen that are just like in my mind it doesn't have to define me as a person mm-hmm. I can then choose to agree or challenge certain thoughts um, but just because I might have a bad or negative thought doesn't mean that's me. Right. Or that doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that you're sinful, right? Or that that's just, I mean, I'm using all of these terms that I don't necessarily agree with anymore, like sinful and impure, but 
as human beings, we are supposed to experience the full range of emotions, right? It's anger, it's passion, it's love, it's lust. It's, it's so many things other than just, oh, you know, pleasant feelings. And I think when we're repressing those feelings, it just creates a recipe for disaster. <laughs> um, because what happened when I left religion was I no longer wanted to be that person anymore that was pleasant, agreeable, and just did what I was told. I really distanced myself from my church, my family, my friends who I met at church, and I wanted to go pursue my life. And I kind of, you know, it was it was shaky and I didn't always do it, I think, in a way that was helpful. <laughs> like I could have been a, le- a lot less callous in my delivery, but I was learning boundaries for the first time. I was learning how to say, no, this lifestyle is not for me. This does not suit me. This is what I'm going to do. And it was terrifying. And that's it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be stern with that. And it's dangerous when you don't teach a young woman to be stern, to be, why not? There's a lot to be angry about in our world. And yeah. being angry is helpful. Yeah. It is. It's part of the human experience. Yes. So let, let's go there. When did you start questioning this large part of your life? Because as you said, this isn't just religion. This was your community. This was, you know, people within your family who took very senior leadership roles within these institutions. So when did you start questioning this large part of your life? Take us to that place. What was going on? Yeah, absolutely. So it was after I had graduated college um, and a family member had passed away and he was quite senior in in the church and in the community and was a pillar for the church um, for a lot of people through throughout the country, really. I mean, not, of course, like to everybody within the country, but to people who subscribe to our denomination, he was he was quite popular. And I just remember what it felt like to lose him. And I also remembered what it felt like to hear everybody talk about his legacy. And for me, that legacy was not the same as what everybody had said. It was it was quite different. How so? It was different in the sense of people, you know, and I, again, I don't want to invalidate other people's experience, but the legacy that he had left for them was this, you know, this inspiration. And, you know, he was what led people to kind of into that denomination and gave them this sense of hope and this, uh, and this identity in God. And for me, it was, um, it was just different. It was, it was difficult. I saw the behind the scenes stuff and, I mean, he had that integrity, of course, like he maintained um, what he was supposed to do as a pastor, but I just saw the humanness of all of it. And to hear people almost speak about different people that I've known, even in my family, almost as gods or similar to God was to me just not the case. We were all quite human, right? And even I am very human. And to for people to just kind of again going back to this pedestal, putting putting other people on a pedestal, I thought was a little ridiculous. 
I think it's one thing to admire people, but at the end of the day, we all are quite similar. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. That's why, like, I've never, like, even, like, famous people, like, actors and music artists i don't know shit like i don't know people like i don't i don't know pop culture (laughs) and like i'm so terrible at trivia and things like that but it's because like i've always just thought everyone is human like no one's yeah like no one's more special than the other i i understand admiration like you do but just like praising people and seeing them as different almost right uh, or even like how we do, and we do this like it's part of the the religion at least from what i've seen in in many denominations and practices like there are specific people who have like a better idea of what god is communicating to the people or what are they like prophets or evangelists like there's just so many different people who are like in different levels and everyone is like how do i get to this level almost like <laughs> uh, you know just like Everyone wants to climb up this ladder to get closer to God. And rightfully so. No, people want that relationship. They want to feel this hope, this, this sense of, of purpose. And it's totally understandable. But I just, again, I saw the humanness in all of it. And um, I really started questioning things then. And I also had a lot of questions in the back of my head about how to reconcile scripture and religion and interpretation with what I believe to be just completely outdated information. For a lot of the things that we talk about in social justice and inclusivity and um, giving people rights and how we treat people and even sexual orientation, it was hard for me to go into the scripture or even just have a conversation with people who were uh, talking about that religion and for them to think that, well, you know, you can just love the person, hate the sin, right? And I was like, okay, but if I love this person, I hate that, I hate what they're doing and hate like how they're acting. How am I supposed to fully love that person? Like it was just really hard not to put myself in a, in a, in a feeling of elitism. Like I have the truth. I know something that this other person doesn't. Um, how this person is acting is going to give them an outcome. And to speak with so much certainty, I felt really uncomfortable with that. And so, um, and I also felt like just all of these repressed emotions coming up, I knew that I had been hiding a lot in my life, hiding behind like my family and my religion. And I kind of became angry and a lot of it starts with the mind and then it turns into physical sensations for me when I'm experiencing anxiety. And I feel like the years of anxiety had compounded and I felt like I, my body just shut down. One time I was driving to church and I felt like I was having a panic attack because I knew I knew that I no longer really believed in a lot of the stuff that I was hearing, that I could no longer reconcile a lot of these truths that I had been taught with the things that I just felt were really wrong uh, and how we were even treating and talking about different people who believe different things. Um and I no longer wanted to be told who I was and what I was supposed to do. And I was about 22 or so, 21, 22, and I had pulled over. And I remember getting a, like tons of calls from a family member saying, where are you? Why aren't you here? Like, don't let the devil get to you. And like, you need to be here right now. And you're fine. 
And it was so invalidating. And I was angry. And I was just thinking, I'm an adult. I can do what I want to do. I'm not doing this anymore. And I'm not going to be told, oh, you're fine. Just that's the devil. This does not seem, (laughs) this doesn't seem healthy. And so I had to really do some introspection and look at my life and say, okay, well, what parts are my personality and what parts were what I was told to be my personality and my identity? And after that, I had an identity crisis because my whole identity was church and, you know, the customs that came with it. That makes me so sad, but also proud of you. Like, I remember you calling me when, like, everything was happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry if I gave you really terrible advice because I also was so, I didn't know what I could do or what to do. And it probably, there was probably nothing. It was probably me just listening that was the role that I should have played. So hopefully I did that. Um, But I think I was confused with you because when I think of you and when I always thought of you, it was interchangeably with Christianity. Mm -hmm. And like, for me, that was just like a core part of your identity. So when you were going through this crisis, I was like, just as confused and just as like unsure. But I think that's why you knew exactly what you had to do for yourself because no one else would have known what to do. Yeah, it was definitely like that. It was like being in a, you know, like when you have a soda and you shake it up and then you finally pop it open, it just explodes. (laughs) I think it was just so much shaking and I finally had to release and, um, I'm, again, like, I think that I probably, I I didn't have a a lot of practice in communicating my boundaries or even articulating those feelings because it was embarrassing. Like, here I was saying that I, hey, for the last 21, 22 years, um, I don't know if I believe it on all this anymore. (laughs) I don't know if I'm the same person anymore. And uh, I kind of want to explore other sides of myself. I want to understand what it's like to go out into the world and listen to different music and explore interests and, you know, just experiment with life and, and date and, you know, not just date guys who are part of my religion and denomination, right? Like I wanted to find myself and I was angry too because I felt like most of my peers and people who I knew had already went through this stage. So I felt very stunted in that <clears throat> and also naive. Like I was going out and there was just a lot of things that I was like, oh, you know, like of course people are nice. Or of course people are trustworthy. And of course like people aren't going to try and take advantage of me. And I had this huge target on myself because I'm super naive coming from the church, like church girl to the T. And then I'm like trying to be out there and – yeah, I didn't know. I didn't I didn't realize not that the world is a huge evil place, but that there's a lot of hurt people out there. What was the emotional journey during all of that? I think there were a lot of ups and downs. Um it was a lot of anger. It was a lot of anger. I felt like I had been told that hey, you know, this is the absolute truth with certainty and it was like why like what if it's not 
Like, what if I've been lied to? Like, how do I know? How do I know that this, this is this? And who knows? Like, how can we all be so sure, right? And I was angry too because I had lived my life in a way that, again, going back to like being this vessel for God and that this life was not my own and that, you know, it wasn't for me to have all this fun and pleasure. It was for me to like glorify God and everything I did. It was to bring people to God. And I was like, I carried such this burden for what? Like, (laughs) and then if God is real, does he even want me to carry this? Like, is it really my responsibility to, to bring all these people to God? And, um, I became bitter and distrustful and, um, I already didn't feel like I had the skills to form really close bonds. And I'm really happy that we gained this relationship because I felt like part of me too was just very distant from connecting with people because I had to put on this facade I felt. So I was, you know, going back to just like how I felt when I left that, I felt like this need to be vulnerable with people, which led to like probably too much oversharing, to be honest. And I was just seeking something and I didn't know what it was, but just to feel, feel something. And I didn't know who I was. So it was just very dangerous. I think for like someone in their early twenties who wants to go and feel something and doesn't know who they are and, you know, has lived a very sheltered life. Um, so I was, I was excited, but angry at this moment. Like in finding your place mm-hmm. and finding yourself. I'm sure there was a journey of unlearning. What were some of the things that you are on the journey of unlearning? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think that one thing I had, and I'm I'm still, prob- I mean, I, I probably still have part of this, but judgmental, being judgmental. And I still live with feeling guilty for the judgment that I put on other people and how that might have shown up in how I treated people. Mm-hmm. I feel like judgment is also part of the human experience. I think mm-hmm. most people will make judgment calls. Um, like, how do you find the balance in making, like, a good balance of judgment versus not? Like, what does that look like? I think... The judgment that I was referring to is mostly regarding, like, how people lined up to what I believed, right? Like, how people lined up to the teachings that I thought to be true and the Bible and how they lived up to that. It was constantly like, hmm, okay, this person says this. Mm." Black and white. Very black and white thinking. Yes, thank you. Very black and white thinking. Even if that came out in my tone when I was talking with people, which probably did. Because that's just, that is how I thought. And that's how I thought I was supposed to be, right? And um, I've had to really forgive myself and practice self-compassion for that. Because I think I probably hurt people, especially when, you know, in leadership positions and talking to other young people. And I probably had no business in giving any advice. I hadn't lived life yet. (laughs) And um, 
telling people like, hey, well, you know, what about this? Or just pointing things out that they were, they were experiencing. Um, I had to I had to practice some self-compassion about that because I, I feel very guilty about that. Um, it's either Oprah or Maya Angelou, but when you know more or when you know better, you do better. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. And I, I yeah. live by that. And back then I thought I was doing good, right? Like I was, I was helping people. And now I know like it's about accepting people where they're at just because I'd want people to do the same with me, right? And loving people where they are. And I live by that so strongly in my family, my friends, my community, and not seeking to change people. That's not my job. But to just love them where they are. And if they cross a boundary, right, there's a little bit of distance. If there's trust built, there's more closeness. But it doesn't have to be complicated. It's just about how do I express that love and how do I practice that love in my everyday life? That's very good. That's so powerful. Um, I don't know. I'm just learning so much about you, but also how I want to pursue my life through what you just said, because I think, I don't know. I think there's so much power and love in that. And I think, so I don't know where I am with like Christianity. Like I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm very lost right now. And, <laughs> uh and just like my beliefs mm -hmm. but um what i wanted to say was at least like from what the bible has told me and i think what the christian like when i wanted what when looking for the truth in christianity i see the greatest commandment of all which is to love and mm -hmm. so i feel like that gets so lost but I think that's on the days I believe, I think that's what I'm pursuing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's wonderful. Um, it, it really yeah. is. Mm -hmm. How do you see Christianity playing a role in, in your future if it does? So one thing I want to acknowledge is that, and I've heard another um, person who has deconstructed, meaning like someone who's deconstructed their faith, say this is that it's hard to completely talk about Christianity in a negative way because it has been such a place for hope and healing for communities, especially communities of color. I grew up in a predominantly black church where I'm thinking of just the atrocities my ancestors have felt and how Christianity was that hope right? And how there was hope on the other side and how it has been a, a place of hope and a center of hope and um, has given them opportunities, whether it's churches opening up their own schools, food banks, just a pillar for, for communities of color. So I want to acknowledge the good that has come from church because I think more than anything, it has been a, a place where you have community and a sense of belonging. I don't have an answer necessarily for where I would like to see Christianity go, um, because I don't necessarily believe in organized religion. Um, but who's to say that might change later, but I, that's where I am now. Um, but I would hope that it would continue to be a place 
of refuge for people who are seeking um, any type of services, whether it be social services or just help, where it's a place of counseling and mentorship and of of opportunities to to get food. But I think that there again are some some things that Christianity does does contribute to. And that is unfortunately white supremacy and the patriarchy, which I do have to talk about, uh, where a lot of these messages are kind of doubled down in the church. Uh, and I've experienced that as well. So there have been pros and cons, and I hope that the church continues to progress and maybe even unpack some of that internalized racism and misogyny. With you, I'm nearly percent. Uh, like anything, there's so much good, and there's some, and there's also not so good things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, putting religion to the side, how else are you pursuing your life right now? Like, what values are core, or what principles are core or top of mind right now? I'd say that um, going back to love, I think love is by far the most powerful experience. And I don't have all the answers about God and who God is and what God is and why we are here. But I have to say that experiencing love, the depths of love, looking at my niece or my nephew and seeing just the love that I have for them or the love that I have for my partner or the love that I have for my family, it's the closest thing to, to me, spirituality, because it is, it's, it's all encompassing. It's just this feeling that you can't, you can't purchase, you can't, there's no formula for it. You just feel it. And I hope to continue to just, again, show love, be love through my actions. I still live with integrity. I like to be a woman of my word. And when I mess up, I, I will be the first one to say, hey, I kind of messed up. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm still very late all the time to things. I don't like that about myself. <laughs> it's not a cute trait. Um, I think I'm just really optimistic about how quickly I can get things done. And sometimes that doesn't work out for me. I'm okay with being imperfect. I'm okay with other people being imperfect. I still want to live a life that contribute to society. When I have children one day, I want them to contribute to society. I want them to be well-rounded and do well in the, in, in the world. And I used to think that all these things had to come from religion. And when I stepped outside of that, I realized you can still have these fundamental beliefs and have a moral compass. And I, I still believe I do. Tell you're so freaking amazing and no really I feel like I just feel so inspired I feel so inspired by your story I feel so lucky to be your friend and I'm just so excited for what's to come for you I appreciate it I feel the feeling is mutual honestly I I know we talked about pedestals um but I'm going to talk about admiration here and I admire you like the woman you are how you live your life, your dedication, how you love your family, how you love Clark. and <laughs> You're going to make me cry because it's coming from you and because mm-hmm. I 
admire you and I really hold your words so closely to me. Like mm-hmm. your words are important. So for you to say that means so that. Uh, to end the session, a few rapid fire questions that I am going to ask every single one of my guests. I'm really excited to hear what you say. What is a message or theme that keeps showing up in your life? It is to be present, to slow down and, and really be present. And that's when I've experienced the most happiness in my life is when I'm not anxious about the future or if I'm not ruminating about the past. And that has really helped. What is something new you learned about yourself in the last year? In the last year, I've learned that I'm worthy regardless of my productivity, especially with the pandemic. (laughs) It really taught me that, wow, all of this could really be over and I'm still, I'm still a human being, right? Like I'm still, I'm still worthy of life and love and happiness without having to, to just always be doing something and going to the next level and it's okay to slow down, going back to that being present part. Yeah. What is a source of encouragement for you when things are rough? I think when things are rough, um, I really think about how lucky I am to be here and the opportunity to even be alive and how much of a phenomenon that is. And how it took so many different random factors, right, for me to be here and for me to be in the position that I'm in and how that in itself is just, it's amazing. That gives me a lot of hope because even though I don't know why we're all here, I don't know. I'm still uncertain about it what an opportunity it is to be here and to be able to experience life and love. Even though sometimes there's hard things that happen and things are not perfect and there's pain, I get to experience the other side of that too. And that is so beautiful to me. I don't know what you did, but you just made me feel sadness, happiness, hope all at the same time. (laughs) So I'm just like, after this call, I'm just going to give Clark and Daniel a really big hug. <laughs> I, yeah. Like, you just, like, got all these emotions in me and really brought me to the present moment. So, um, thanks for that. Yeah. I appreciate it. I am a work in progress, still trying to learn how to, to get myself there. But I appreciate these questions because I feel like they prompted me to that space, you know. Mm-hmm. I love you, Raquel. Thank you. I love you too. (laughs)